But there is basically one truth that I want to give you this morning. And it's found in our text here, Ruth chapter number 1. Let's begin reading in verse number 1. The Word of God says, Now it came to pass in the days when the judges ruled that there was a famine in the land. And a certain man of Bethlehem, Judah, went to sojourn in the country of Moab, he and his wife and his two sons. And the name of the man was Elimelech, and the name of his wife, Naomi, and the name of his two sons, Malon and Chilion, Ephrathites of Bethlehem, Judah. And they came into the country of Moab and continued there. And Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died, and she was left and her two sons. And they took them wives of the women of Moab. The name of the one was Orpah, and the name of the other Ruth. And they dwelled there about ten years. And Malon and Chilion died also, both of them. And the woman was left of her two sons and her husband. Then she arose with her daughters-in-law that she might return from the country of Moab, For she had heard in the country of Moab how that the Lord had visited His people in giving them bread. Wherefore she went forth out of the place where she was and her two daughters-in-law with her, and they went on the way to return unto the land of Judah. And Naomi said unto her two daughters-in-law, Go, return each to her mother's house. The Lord deal kindly with you as ye have dealt with the dead and with me. The Lord grant you that ye may find rest, each of you, in the house of her husband. Then she kissed them, and they lifted up their voice and wept. And they said unto her, Surely we will return with thee unto thy people. And Naomi said, Turn again, my daughters. Why will ye go with me? Are there yet any more sons in my womb, that they may be your husbands? Turn again, my daughters. Go your way. For I am too old to have an husband. If I should say I have hope, if I should have an husband also tonight, and should also bear sons, would ye tarry for them till they were grown? Would ye stay for them from having husbands? Nay, my daughters, for it grieveth me much for your sakes that the hand of the Lord has gone out against me. And they lifted up their voice and wept again. And Orpah kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clave unto her. And she said, Behold, thy sister-in-law has gone back unto her people and unto her gods. Return thou after thy sister-in-law. And Ruth said, Entreat me not to leave thee or to return from following after thee. For whither thou goest, I will go. And where thou lodgest, I will lodge. Thy people shall be my people, and thy God my God. Where thou diest, will I die, and there will I be buried. The Lord do so to me, and more also, if aught but death part thee and me. When she saw that she was steadfastly minded to go with her, then she left speaking unto her. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, Lord, we do thank you and give you praise for this day. Help us, Father, now in these next few moments to slow down to allow the Word of God to soak into our souls. Father, help us to see that these next few moments and the moments following in which we'll deal with you, that those moments are the most important of this entire week. Lord, I pray that you would help us to deal reverently and uh, in a surrendered manner with your Word. Father, that you would help us to allow you to work in our midst. Lord, we thank you for the truths that we find in your Word here before us. We pray that through the Holy Ghost you'd apply them to our lives. Lord, if there's any amongst us that are lost and undone, I pray that ere they leave this place, they'd come to know Christ as their Savior. We'll be sure to give you the glory for it. Lord, we love you. We ask all these things in Christ's name. Amen. In verse number 6, there is a truth that is given to us. 
And I told you I'm here just to tell you one thing. Notice it with me. In verse number 6, the Bible says of Naomi, Then she arose with her daughters-in-law that she might return from the country of Moab. For she had heard in the country of Moab how that the Lord had visited His people in giving them bread. You know, as you read the context of the book of Ruth, we understand that there is a famine taking place. The book of Ruth is set in probably the darkest days that the nation of Israel has ever known. A day when it wasn't by the hand of oppressors that their calamity had come, but it was by their own wickedness and lawlessness. It was a day when there were generations that knew not God. It was a day when there was no king in Israel. It was a day when every man did that which was right in his own eyes. It was a day when the judgment of God was going out upon His blessed and precious people, the apple of His eye. And in the midst of all this, the book of Ruth centers around a little family. The daddy's name is Elimelech. The mama's name is Naomi. They've got two little boys, Malon and Chilion. And somewhere in the midst of these calamities, they decided to run from their problems. They wind up in a place by the name of Moab. And there's a lot could be said about the place of Moab. But I'll tell you what God says about it. God says, Moab is my wash pot. Now, you know what God's saying? Can I put it in, in something maybe you'll understand? The Lord says, oh, Moab down there, that's my trash can. And in some way, these people of God felt like it would be a good decision to leave out and run from the famine and go to Moab, God's trash can. They get down there and they're there for ten years. And calamity befalls them. But someday, in some way, there in the midst of their sorrow and tears, the Bible says in verse number 6 that someone came along and said to Naomi, Naomi, God has visited His people in Bethlehem. The place that you have run from, the place that you thought your problem started, God has come full circle. He has visited His people and He has given them bread. Can I just say to you this morning, the one truth I want to tell you, I don't care who you are or what situation that you're in, I've got good news for you this morning. Can I just tell you that there's bread in Bethlehem this morning? I don't know what your problems are that you're facing. You may be facing something that's not very difficult. You may be facing the greatest trial that you've ever experienced in life. You may be going through something that you saw coming a mile away. You may be headed into something that you didn't know nothing about yesterday. But I'm here to tell you, if I can't tell you anything else this morning, let me remind you that in a starving day, there is bread in Bethlehem for you. The Bible says in Proverbs chapter 25 and verse 25 that as cold waters to a thirsty soul, so is good news from a far country. Oh my, what a day it must have been for Naomi. As she stood beside three graves, as she looked into the face of two young women that had no answers and she herself did not know what to tell them, they were facing a certain death and a dismal future. But thank the Lord that somebody came along and said, Naomi, there's a place you can get help. Naomi, there's an answer to your problems. And of all places, she finds out it's the very place she had ran from earlier in her life. You know, I see three types of people in this text, and I'm going to try to be quick. Brother Larry got up brag about how short uh, of a preacher I am and everything, so i got a lot to live up to this morning. Amen? And you're in a good mood because we won yesterday, so I don't want to ruin that either. Amen? But I see in our text before us that the place of Bethlehem Judah is a significant place. 
Now, later on, we would know Bethlehem, Judah, as the place where David would be born. But I think even more important than that, we know that Bethlehem, Judah, that Bethlehem of Ephrata is the place where the Son of God would step out of the glory of heaven and robe Himself in flesh and make His entrance into this world. What a blessed truth it is to know that there help can be found. The name Bethlehem means literally house of bread. The name Judah literally means praise. And the name Ephrata literally means fruitfulness. When I think about the kind of place that is a house that you can go to where you can find Jesus Christ and you can find bread for your soul to be satisfied, the kind of place that you go into and there's praise going on and the kind of place that you go into and you can see the fruitfulness of Christ in the life of those that know Him, I can't help but think about the church house that we have and the local church. See, I think that you can find first off help at Calvary and you can go to the place. I, let me tell you something. You can go to Christ for help this morning. Somebody say amen to that. You say, where do I go to find Him? I believe you can find Him at the house of God, don't you? I believe you can go to that place. But we understand also uh, that there is a greater truth being revealed to us in that it says that it's a house of bread because Christ said this in John chapter 6 and verse 35. Jesus said unto them, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger, and he that believeth on me shall never thirst. He was speaking, of course... Uh, comparing the manna that came from heaven in the days of the wilderness wanderings. And he said, hey, listen, uh, our Father gave bread from heaven in that day, and our Father is still giving bread from heaven on this day. The bread that He gave from heaven on that day was temporal bread that was soon to be consumed and eaten and to fade away. But the bread that He's given now in the person of His Son, in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ, it's going to satisfy you forever. It's going to meet those needs. I mean, you won't ever have more need than you have satisfaction if you'll come to Him to be satisfied. And can I tell you that after 2,000 years living in the shadow of Calvary's cross, that the bread from heaven still satisfies a hungry soul, still meets every need. When I read this text that centers around three women, I, I, I'm, I'm interested. I'm going to try to be careful because, listen, I'm, I'm just going to tell you. I mean, I'm loaded up this morning. I've been studying to preach on this thing for six weeks. Amen. And uh, I'm going to try to not preach it all here in the next few minutes. But I am interested that the story surrounds here in chapter number 1, these three women, because they provide for us three different types of people that I think needed to hear this news. Where first brought uh, to our attention is the person of Naomi. Uh, the name Naomi literally means pleasant. But when we see Naomi, she does not look very pleasant. Uh, she has left the house of bread. She has gone to the place of God's trash can. There she has literally lost everything that she has. She is uh, broken and bankrupt. And there in that place, good news comes to her. But, you know, it sort of pictures a lot of people in this day that we live in. You know, I understand that it's easy when you're in church to not understand folks that's out of church. Somebody say amen to that. It's easy when you're in church to not see how you could ever get out of church. And let me remind you that as Eutychus was sitting up in the window in the third level where the lights were uh, warm and Paul was preaching long, that folks don't fall into church, but they sure do enough fall out of church. 
And it's easy sometimes to look with judgment and contempt at a person like Naomi and ask yourself, Naomi, how could you and Elimelech with those little boys with a family resting upon your decisions with all the goodness of God in your life, with all of the truth that God had shown you, Naomi, how could you and Elimelech walk away from Bethlehem and down to the country of Moab? Let me remind you that I've seen people throughout this uh, short ministry that God has blessed me with that have left a place where God was moving and working. I'm talking about the place where the family got saved. And I don't just mean this church. I mean lots of churches. I'm not talking about leaving this church, neighbor. I'm talking about leaving the church. And I've known lots of folks. I mean, hey, listen, I don't like to see somebody go, but I sure feel a lot better about it if they leave and go to some place that's a Bible-believing church where they can be fed and can be helped. I'm talking about folks that leave, and when they leave, they just left. And they're just out. I'm talking about people, the churches, uh, the, the preaching of the Word of God, and the, the church is what kept their marriage together. I'm talking about people that the preaching of the Word of God in the church is what saved their, their children and their grandchildren from the devil's hell. I'm talking about people uh, that the church is what kept them from taking their own lives. And you sit there and think, how could they ever walk away? Well, I think we have the answer to that. You see, when we look at Naomi, we see a sojourner. Naomi had no intentions of staying as long as she did. But we see the cause of her journey in our text. I want you to look back with me at verse number 1. The Bible says, Now it came to pass in the days when the judges ruled that there was a famine in the land. Now, we could say a lot about that, but I want to say one thing about it. The cause of her leaving and taking this journey was things got a little rough. You know, let me tell you something. I've known lots of people that they're fine serving God when everything's going well. When the bank account's full, when their health is good, when their marriage and their relationships are stable and steady, I mean, they're fine being at the house of God. They'll come, they'll shout it out with everybody else, they'll rejoice, they'll pay tithe, they'll come, they'll work, they'll serve, they'll do anything you want them to do. But the moment that something don't go the way they planned, they're gone. You know what they're doing? I think in some way, some way deep down, we understand that all they that live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution, don't you? And I think oftentimes maybe we even understand that it's just the devil trying to stop us from serving God. And we think if we can just run from our problems, they'll never catch up with us. Why is it that Naomi would think that there in the land of fruitfulness and praise, there in the house of bread with the blessing of the Lord God Jehovah, that uh, there she'd starve to death, but down in Moab she'd be okay. We can't figure. But you know, we're not sitting in a famine like she was. So oftentimes, listen, I've seen people, let me tell you how, how wicked the devil is. Can I do that? Can I tell you how sneaky he is? And I've given this illustration before. It's not an illustration. It's an anecdotal testimony because I've seen it happen in people's lives. I've seen people that something went wrong, the, some area of sin, or maybe just dissatisfaction. You know where it starts with a lot of folks? When you get to where you can be satisfied with the world, that means you won't be satisfied with Jesus Christ. When you're looking to something else to satisfy you, you won't look to Him to satisfy you. But something goes wrong, something in their heart grows cold, they leave their first love, and pretty soon things start going bad. And they grow miserable and they grow unhappy. And you know what the devil will do? He'll come along and he'll say, you know, you're unhappy because of the person that you're married to. Or he'll come along and he'll say, you know, you're unhappy because of the church that you're at. Or he'll come along and he'll say, you know, you're unhappy because of that family that you're having to take care of. You know what? You're unhappy because of that job that you're working. 
pretty soon, by the time somebody's walked off, left their family, left church, left their children, left everything that they've had, quit their job, uh, their life is in pieces, there they are, ready to die in Moab. The devil sits back and says, you know, it never was any of that. You just left your first love, and that's what did it to you. See, the cause of her journey was she's trying to run from her problems. And I don't know what it is, but the great deception of Satan is to convince believers that the reason we don't have joy is because of Jesus. Let me tell you something. If you've got any joy, it's because of Jesus. Joy is not subject to circumstances. You understand that? Joy is not subject to our circumstances. You say, oh, preacher, that's easy for you to say. Well, let me tell you how Jesus said it. He said that your joy shall no man take. There's nobody can come along and rock your boat and take your joy. You have to forfeit it. You say, preacher, that's easy to say. You're not going through what I'm going through. No, but let me tell you something. The one that said it is going through what you're going through right along with you. He said, I'll give you joy, a joy that the world can't rob from you, a joy that no man can take from you. He said, these things right unto you that your joy may be full. He says, I can give you a joy that lasts. Your circumstances can't take your joy, but listen to me, your circumstances can't give you joy either. Uh, oftentimes we think when something's wrong, if we can just get uh, to the next uh, pay raise, if we can just get uh, to the next uh, relationship, if we can just get uh, to the next job, if we can just get to the next situation, that somehow that'll satisfy us. But the moment that Naomi stepped into Moab, she was no more satisfied than the day she left Bethlehem. We see the cause of her journey. She's running from her problems. But I want you to notice the continuation of her journey. It's interesting that the Bible says they went to sojourn. Can I give you a modern word that we use oftentimes that's synonymous with that? It is the word vacation. We uh, just got through taking a vacation a couple weeks ago. And uh, it's beautiful. You know, we saw the ocean and everything, and there's palm trees. But by the end of the week, this old boy was ready to get back. (laughs) I I mean, I had a good time. I enjoyed it. It's something different. It's something new. But uh, let me tell you something. If you're from around here, you know how your heart sings when you start to see mountains again. You start to see them leaves that are changing and turning. And you say, I mean, we wanted to be home. See, a sojourn is just for a little while. The Bible says in verse number 1 that they went to sojourn. But look what happened. Verse number 4, the Bible says, And they took them wives of the women of Moab. The name of the one was Orpah, and the name of the other Ruth. And they dwelled there about ten years. Let me tell you something. I want you to listen close to what I'm about to say. Nobody ever gets out of the will of God and plans to stay there. That's why you have to be so careful. Can I, can I just, and, and I promise you, I'm going to move on. I'm going to preach something else here in a second. You're going to shout and have a good time. But you just stick with me. I believe this is healthy. You wonder sometimes why preachers and Sunday school teachers and people in ministry and God, you wonder why they get so upset sometimes when, when we miss being at the house of God. You wonder why, I mean, some folks sit there and think, well, I just missed one service or I just missed one day. I don't know what they're upset about. Because everybody right now that's out of church started with one service. That's not to say you can't uh, miss a service and get right back in. It's just to say that some don't. Some miss a service and that's the last service. That's not to say you have to do I mean, praise God that we can go on and do the right thing. But I'm just saying, there's a danger in it. You see, they're just going for a little vacation. They weren't going to stay down in Moab. They're still getting mail up in Bethlehem. But ten years later, here they are. Because that's how sin is. Sin always holds on to you. It don't matter. 
You can say it won't. You can say you're different than everybody else. You can say it ain't going to happen to you. You can say uh, you can fool yourself however you want to fool yourself. But listen to me. There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is coming to man. I don't care who you are. You're susceptible to sin. We all are, every one of us. They didn't plan on it. We see the continuation of her journey. But I want you to notice the cost of her journey. Now, let me tell you something. I'm thankful. And I'm not here to discourage you this morning. I'm here to tell you there's bread in Bethlehem. But let me tell you something. A trip to Moab costs quite a bit. I mean, it's steep, man. Gas is expensive. You go, when we drove over there and took vacation, I mean, it just seemed like every two seconds you stop and paying for this, paying for that. And, you know, you go in and you go into a restaurant and and it's all, you know, we was over there near the, it's all seafood. We we were, I remember we stopped at one restaurant and uh, and I got a low country bull. Somebody know what a low country bull is? Raise your hand if you know what a low country bull is. And uh, I I was sitting there and I got it and and it's this big bowl of shrimp corn and sausage and, and potatoes. And I sat there and I spent about three and a half hours eating it because that's how I eat, peel, and eat shrimp, you know. It's a process to me. I could build a ship in a bottle quicker than I could eat a pound of peel and eat shrimp. Anybody testify with me about that? Well, we got done. You know, we paid the bill. and I don't know. It was like $1,000 or something for that one plate. And we get done. The next day, me and Dad, we go down and do some fishing. And I popped open that thing of frozen shrimp to bait my hook with and I looked at it and thought to myself I paid twenty dollars yesterday and this is the exact same shrimp that they cooked for me (laughs) it's expensive man that's why you got to plan and set money aside let me tell you something you've never had an expensive vacation like the one going down to Moab will cost you you've never paid the price like sin will demand of you I I wrote down a few things just real quick that I want you to note things that it cost them to go to Moab. Look in verse number 5. I want you to notice her bereavement. The Bible says, And Malon and Chilion died also, both of them. And the woman was left of her two sons and her husband. Uh, it cost her her family to go down to Moab. She lost Elimelech, her husband. It's very ironic. Elimelech's name literally means God is my king. But he wasn't living up to that name. He was trying to be his own king. And there in the country of Moab, I would just venture to say they probably didn't even own grave plots in Moab because nobody buys grave plots in Moab. Nobody plans on dying out of the will of God. No one plans on staying there till their life is done. No one pla- Everybody plans on making the trip back. But Limelech and Malon and Chilion didn't. And there she stands, a widow having lost her two children and her husband, she stands beside three graves in Moab that didn't exist in Bethlehem. To this day, if we could go and if we could track down where Moab is, to this day, if we could somehow dig down, I'm sure that the worms have got it, I'm sure the bones are gone, but somewhere if we could get down, we might find just a little remnant. I mean, after all these years, after millennium passing by, still Elimelech and Malon and Chilion are still in Moab to this day. Three graves there that aren't in Bethlehem. Let me tell you something. I know you think your sin affects only you. But I'm just here to serve notice on you that your sin affects others around you. I wonder, listen, I wonder how many mamas and daddies weep themselves to sleep each night wishing that they had made God a greater priority when they were raising their kids. One of the things that burdens me, and I, as I try to, you know, I'm fairly young, and we have a lot of young people, and I, I, as I deal with the young people and minister to them, I, let me tell you something. I, 
The greatest mistake that most saved young people are making is putting the house of God and the things of God on the back burner. You're going to raise your children to believe that God is optional. And it's going to be at your feet. Your feet. She went down to Moab and she lost her family there. We see the bereavement that she experienced. We see the bankruptcy that she experienced. Later on at the end of the chapter, she says this, I went out full, but I came home empty. They evidently had enough money and enough means that they could leave Bethlehem. They had enough money to to, to buy land or to provide for themselves when they got to Moab. I don't know, but uh, most of the commentators say that Elimelech was probably a very wealthy man. May have contributed to him leaving. He couldn't live at ease back in Bethlehem like he had been used to. But I do know this, the testimony of Naomi is I'm going home with a lot less than I came here with. Man, let me tell you something. There ain't no telling what God might have to take away from you to get you back to Bethlehem. Oh, my. There ain't no telling what God might have to take from you to get you to leave Moab and go back to Bethlehem. We see her bankruptcy. We see her brokenness. Her brokenness. She says this. Look with me down at the end of the chapter. Look at verse number 21. She says... Why then call me Naomi, seeing the Lord hath testified against me, and the Almighty hath afflicted me? She says, let me tell you something. God has set His hand against me, and He has broken me. When she walks back into Bethlehem, you can hear the whispers. Bethlehem wasn't a big town. It laid about six miles south of Jerusalem, just a little town, a little suburb, and you can hear the whispers. Who is that? Who is that coming in in that strange Moabitish garb? She's got two young, or she's got a young lady with her as she comes. Who is that? Well, you know, I remember them talking about a family. And she looks just like the mother in that family. I believe that might be Naomi. She walks back in, sunken, ashen face. Sin has taken its toll. And they look at her and they say, Naomi! She says, don't call me Naomi, for I'm not pleasant anymore. She says, this is what a trip to Moab looks like. This is what a trip to Moab looks like. I left full, I'm coming home empty. I left and I lived up to my name. Oh, what a pleasant person I was to be around. But I stand before you a broken individual. Broken over my sin and finally broken from my sin by the hand of God. We see her brokenness, but we see finally her bitterness. She says, call me not Naomi. And then she goes on in the next verse. She says this, call me Mara. Mara. Uh, The New Testament word or name is the name Mary. And here we find it. It's found in the Old Testament. Uh, it, It gives us a few illustrations of it. The first time you find the term Mara is when Moses uh, throws the uh, ground-up remnants of that golden calf into the water and makes the children of Israel drink of it. And it says that it made the water bitter, and they called that place Mara. The name Mara literally means bitterness. By our own testimony, you know what she says? She says, don't call me pleasant no more. Just call me bitter. Just call me bitter. She came home miserable because of what sin did to her. Let me tell you something, it may be fun for a little while, but it won't be long. It won't be long. I promise you, sin, hey, there's a pleasure in sin for a season. But it will not be long before it starts. Just listen to me for a moment. Don't listen to me. Listen to the Word of God for just a moment. 
I know the world doesn't pay it, play it up that way. I know they don't paint that picture in front of you. But listen to me. It may just be a short trip to Moab, but there's no such thing as a short trip to Moab. But I'm here to tell you there's bread in Bethlehem for you. <laughs> Aren't you glad there didn't have to be four graves in Moab? Somebody say amen to that. Don't get so focused on what you've lost that you forget what you still have. You know what she still had? She still had a home in Bethlehem. She still had a home in Bethlehem. I had a lot more. I was going to preach. I was going to preach about Ruth, Orpah. But let me close with this. If you're here today, you don't have to stay out in Moab. You don't have to stay there. It may have cost you your family, but you don't have to stay there. It may have cost you your happiness, but you don't have to stay there. It may have cost you everything that you owe, but you don't have to stay there. There's bread in Bethlehem this morning. If you'll just come back to the place where you walked away from God, if you'll just bow the knee before Him for whom every knee will bow, you know what you'll find? He'll satisfy your every need. He'll feed your hungry soul. We're going, it's going to take us six weeks to get there, but I'm going to go ahead and tell you, you can cheat and skip ahead. You know what we find at the end of the book? We find that God says that Boaz has been for Naomi a restorer of life. <laughs> Man, she, you know what? She lost her family in Moab, but God gave her a new one in Bethlehem. She, she lost all of her money in Moab, but she comes back and she finds a kinsman redeemer in Bethlehem. She lost her joy and her happiness. She lost her fellowship with God in Moab, but she comes back home and she finds one that can give her joy again. Or you may be one of these this morning that you've just stepped out the front door and nobody even knows about it yet. It's not something you have publicized. You're not even out of the driveway yet, but you've taken a step and your heart has turned. And you've started to head out towards Moab. Maybe you've said to yourself, it just don't pay off serving God. Maybe you've said to yourself, boy, I'm sick of all these rules. Maybe you've said to yourself, man, I'm just tired and want to give up. I'll just go on down to Moab. Nobody knows about it yet. Let me tell you something, God knows about it. Change direction today because there's still bread in Bethlehem. Hey, it may feel like a famine, but you ain't had a famine until you get to Moab. If they had just stayed in Bethlehem, imagine the miraculous ways God would have provided for them. You say, preacher, how do you know that God would have provided? Well, I don't, I don't guess I know. I, I, but I heard an old man say one time that he had been young, and then when he said it, he said, now I'm very old. He said, yet have I never seen the righteous forsaken nor his seed begging bread. If he had just stayed in Bethlehem. He just stayed put, not run from his prop. Just stayed in the house of bread. God would have fed him there. Maybe you're at that place this morning. Let me invite you to come on back to Bethlehem. Come on back to the house of bread and let your soul be satisfied with the bread of life.